Skinning waves, fox beer, lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. Welcome to episode 521 of Trek Talk. And that's just an that's an awesome awesome thing uh just uh, wow wow i can't believe it that's incredible anyways uh we're here we're going to be talking about star trek picard imposters which was last week's episode so please get your fingers ready to do the walking and call trek talking our phone number here is 646-668-2433 we'll be live with you for the next two hours but before we get around to talking about star trek picard we have our Star Trek birthdays and our fan shout-outs. So you got a little bit of time to run to the microwave, get some chicken wings, have some pizza bites, whatever, and get right back here to talk about Star Trek Picard imposters with a lot to unpack in that episode. But before we do that, I want to go around and introduce my Trek experts, and we'll start off with my Trek expert who's not, not in Portland. And, of course, I'm talking about Charles. He's joining us from Las Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good from the roller coaster Las Vegas. <clears throat> Our weather has been crazy. They can't make up their mind if we're going to try getting a little warm, get a little cold, get a little rainy, cloudy. I don't know. We're waiting well, to see. The, there's something. The thing called the thing they're calling spring. I'm still waiting to really see a real spring. Well, it's raining here, which is melting away all the snow, and I'm fine with that. Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Get rid of all that snow. And uh, now we're going to jump to Portland, and that's where we have the trifecta of Trucksburg. We'll start off with our very own Paul, the toy slash wine guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? Is that good? Okay. He, that's really, I guess Uh-oh. he hasn't recovered from his vacation. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> don't check your microphone, buddy. No, I don't know. Anyways, and now let's uh, jump over to our donut guy, David, who's also in Portland but forgot the donuts. How you doing, David? Well, like Charles was saying, couldn't make up their mind with the weather. We had sunshine. It's actually sunshine right now, but earlier today it was like super waning. Well, I mean, it was like summer. I thought I heard thunder, but um, yeah, it was really bad. It was windy and everything. So I was like, nope, I'm not going out. <laughs> well, April showers bring May flowers, right? Yep. It's not April was- yet. 
but that's close enough for government work. And I work for the government. So <laughs> take it. And also from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing, Eric? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty good tonight. I, I think the saying is something like March showers bring um, sadness. I think that's what it is. If I remember correctly, that, or is uh, it, so uh, that's March. Maybe March <laughs> March rains bring April pollen. That could be. Oh, there you yep. go. Oh, so so March rains bring springtime pains is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Trademark. Ding. Anyway, I'm doing really great, guys. I can't wait to talk about this episode. We need a Paulism here. If I can get him, if I can get him connected. <laughs> he, he's showing up on my phone, but I I can't hear him if he's talking. I don't know. Can we? So so we can't hear you yet, Paul. Are you there, buddy? Deet, 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 deet. I, I, he could have a I little problem him. on his end, but wait. Yeah, yeah. I see his name right here, I, and I have his microphone wait. turned on, so he should be there. But hey, this is live radio, guys. This is what you get when we're live. Okay, there's nothing. Well, this is not Memorex. Okay, we are live. So it that's makes what, that's, it, it makes life more interesting, Jim. That's the best thing about live radio. You never know what's going to happen. Well, you get the gremlins. Yep. They show up and they do all kinds of weird stuff. You never can tell. But at <laughs> any rate, <laughs> we'll uh, pause on my board and we'll just wait until we can uh, connect with Paul. But he is he's he's with us in spirit. He's like a Jedi ghost. He's like quite have you, have you tried turning on the mute button? Yeah, oh yeah, he's, turning he's it off. Not, have you tried turning it off and on again? Well, let's let's <laughs> try like, that right now. Did you guys I'm ever gonna, see? I'm muting Paul. Okay. Mute him. And he now has been him. muted. <laughs> now I'm going to unmute him. He has been unmuted. And let's see if that makes a difference. There's a really there's a really great British sitcom. I don't know if you guys have seen. It's called the IT Crowd, and there, it's oh, it's yeah. like this a couple of IT guys, and it's so funny because that's the first thing. Anytime he answers the IT guy answers the phone, he's like, he answers the phone by saying, "Have you tried turning it off and on again?" <laughs> that's where I got the <laughs> line. Oh, that's a standard text. That's a standard text. <laughs> that's the first thing too. <laughs> My favorite episode was when they were talking about the internet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. carry on, Jim. Carry on. I don't know if you guys are aware of it or not, but Strange New World Season 1 just hit Blu-ray and DVD. And, and we have been contacted to help them promote this momentous occasion. And um, I'm supposed to be having some uh, Blu-ray copies sent to us to give away to you guys, which I have not received as of yet. But I do have the promo. They did send me the promo which Eric was kind enough to record for us. So, guys, here is the brand-new promo world premiering tonight, right now, for Strange New Worlds on Blu-ray and DVD. Season 1 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is now on Blu-ray, DVD, and limited-edition Blu-ray steelbook. Experience every episode like never before with over 100 minutes of special features, including exclusive cast and crew interviews, a gag reel, deleted scenes, and more. Own the Emmy-nominated first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds from CBS and Paramount Home Entertainment today. 
limited edition 4K UHD Steelbook available for pre-order now. Now, what is Steelbook? Is that something new? Is that like a new play or something? No, they've been they've been doing those. It's like a, they've been doing those Steelbooks. It's a marital for a while. aid. Oh, oh, it's oh a there he is. He's here. I guess turning him off and turning him on works. Yeah, I don't know what what Steelbook is. No. Well, the steel book is like a. It's the they put the they put it in a steel casing and they just put extra stuff on it. I've got the steel book for Star Trek Into Darkness, and I don't know. It's just got like a cool look to it, you know. Um, and then it's got they like a they the, the promo says it's got extra content that the regular uh, one doesn't have, so they can charge you a little bit more for that. Oh, well, you got to get that extra money out of you. Ring you like a sponge, of course. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you're a real fan, Jim, if you're a real fan, you get the big one. Well, you know what? Back in the day, Terminator 2 came out, and and I actually had to buy three versions of Terminator 2, which frosted me. They had the original theatrical version, then they came out with the extended version, then they came out with the James Cameron extended edition. I was like, Really? Really, you couldn't have done hmm. this all at once, you know? Anyways, but anyway. Well, and then these days we've got all of these companies who have the ability to go back to old movies and, you know, refresh them and make them look. I mean, look at the Star Trek, the motion picture. How many versions of Star Trek, the motion picture do you think people have purchased? And now we can get it in stunning 4K, which, of course, is the quintessential version of it. But it kind of makes you, oh, yeah. kind of makes you wonder about that whole uh, – I get the physical – Paul's a physical media guy. Makes a lot of sense to me, but it does mean you have to upgrade along the way. Yeah, I don't I, I don't even have a DVD player anymore. Unbelievable. But <laughs> at any rate, guys, so we have our, our Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, we'll be oh, – maybe by the next show I'll have some giveaway. We'll see. But at any rate, the other thing we need to talk about is Trek Long Island, which – of course, Trek Talking is going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. They have a, a huge plethora of Star Trek guests. This is a Star Trek convention right down the line. And uh, Eric, if our fans wanted to find out about Trek Long Island, what would be the, one of the easiest ways for them to do it? Well, Jim, uh, if it were me, I would simply go to trektalking.com, which is uh, a really simple way to remember, hey, where did I hear about that Trek? Oh, yeah, I heard about that on the Trek Talking podcast. I'll go to trektalking.com, and we have all that stuff linked right there, guys. Uh, you can just go right to it. I mean, why would you go anywhere else? Plus, you can just go back and listen to one of our other 500-plus episodes that we've got in the archive there. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Let's do it. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I've sp- been spending a lot of time organizing them making it easy for you guys to find exactly what you want. So speaking of Trek Long Island, here's the promo, which again, Eric was kind enough to put together for us. Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hop Hog, <laughs> New York on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Fayer, 
Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled, with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels, or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the Vendor Room, where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to meet Hammer. Like he's going to be there, and I, I, I want to go and see him and kind of psyched about meeting him so it's going to be fun and uh if you go you can touch my bat lift so what what more could you ask for at any rate uh you guys ready to do some fan shout outs what do you say yeah better believe it all right it's going to be fun if you guys would like to hear your name mentioned in a fan shout out which just lets everybody around the globe know that you are not only a star trek fan but part of the trek talking family all you need to do is head over to our Facebook page. And Charles, what's one of the easiest ways that they can do that? Well, I hope most of our fans actually go to Facebook and load up the Truck Talking page. Or they can go to trucktalking.com, which will link them to Facebook and to the Truck Talking page. Very, very easy, guys. And when you get there, the very first post you see pinned to the top is Live Long and Prosper. And all you got to do is go there and tell us where you're listening from. And then once a week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, will pick out 15 or 20 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name, that means you've been chosen for a future fan shout out. So, Eric, you want to jump right in and get us started this week? Yeah, I'd love to. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Amelia Bones Skull. Mm, I like that name. From Santiago de Chile. Amelia, thank you so much for saying hello to us on our Facebook page. Hello, and live long and prosper to you. Thanks for listening. We're also saying hello this week to top fan junior Nathaniel Small, who's living in London and sending us that live long and prosper sign. And a top fan means that you interact with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we really, really appreciate that, Junior. Thank you so much for listening. Kapla to you, sir. Also saying hello this week to top fan Shock Ali, who lives in Stoke-on-Trent in England. We have tons of support in the U.K., and Shock, we are so happy that you 
call yourself part of that crowd of people who like our podcast and like our Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening. And my final fan shout-out goes out to Charles DeMello, who's living in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland, another place I'd love to go. I've never been, but it looks amazing. Charles DeMello, thank you for listening to us, uh, and thanks for always supporting to us. Now, Charles, you not only want to bring it home, but kind of do your part of the country, too, as I reckon. Oh, definitely. A... Welcome to Charles Reed from Mesa, Arizona. He mentions near Phoenix. And actually, I know exactly where Mesa is because you're between Chandler and Gilbert. Yes, I lived in that area back in the 80s. Top fan, Liza McRory, I believe, from North Carolina. Ronnie Whalen up there in Jim's area in Connecticut. And Clifford Gowan from Burley, Idaho. David, who's on your list in the continent? Yeah, first I'd like to welcome a Quentin Patrick Bala from Ulysses, Texas. Uh, top fan, Mike Chow, uh, Clow from Massachusetts. Another top fan, Sherry Washington from Indianapolis. Uh, my last last one is another top fan for, uh, from Ohio named Bruce Bayer. And Paul, who's on your list? Well, to quote a famous man, can you hear me okay? Can you guys hear me? Yep. yep. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Back in the 21st century, I tell you what. First of Woo-hoo! all, I'd like to say uh, <laughs> and a, a great greeting to uh, this fan living in a very cool place, Anya Grota Urlehaus, who is sending greetings from the Hart Mountains in Lower Saxony, Germany. That is a spectacular place. Not only is Anya flashing us the live long and prosper hand sign, but a uh, rather spooky-looking uh, bath. I just spent some time with some baths this last couple of weeks, and uh, they're pretty cool. So very uh, magical woodlands that Anya hails from. It's great to know that even in the, the most darkest, deepest woodland realm, Star Trek has always been found out. So thanks for reaching out and being a fan, Anya Grota Ullenhaus. Uh, next door neighbor in the Netherlands, in Zeed, Holland, it's Mathis Bosers. Mathis Bosers is also a fan and taking time to say hello to us. We have a lot of folks all concentrated together here on the list this week. Uh, in Flanders, in Antwerp, also, of course, in Europe, just down the street from uh, Mathis, it's Kurt van Noten is also a, a fan, and it's great to hear from you as well, Kurt. So thank you so much for being a fan of all things Trek. And finally for me, in stunning, magnificently romantic, absolutely sublime Genoa, Italy. It's Maurizio Avenente, is also a Star Trek fan. Uh, been dual traveling lately, Maurizio, and Italy is high on my list of uh, next destinations that I'd like to go to because I am a fan of all things Italian. How great would it be to watch an episode of Star Trek dubbed in 
Italian. What? You mean it's not originally shot in Italian? What are you talking about? But I think it would be fantastic. I would love to see that. I would love to see. Um, uh, I'll have to get an Italian translation of Make It So, just so I can hear what that sounds like. <laughs> That's my list this week. I'm going to spin the map over. Well, actually, we did have a Star Trek voiceover uh, person on the podcast uh, not too long ago, if I'm correct, a Brazilian um, voice actor, didn't we, Eric? Yeah, the guy who plays Riker in Brazil. I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was a joy to have on the podcast. He was really fun. Yeah, and uh, I just reorganized the podcast, and if you go to trucktalking.com and you go to special guests, all of our guests that we've ever had on the show, you can quickly find them all there. If you go down, you'll find the Brazilian Riker, and you can actually listen to his show and how he prepares for doing Riker, um, you know, overdubbing Riker. So that was that was pretty cool. So it's funny that Paul should mention that because we talked to someone who does that for a living, and it was fascinating to coin a phrase. At any rate, wow, this is it is. It was it was pretty cool what what he does. So. At any rate, back to our regularly scheduled program already in progress. Uh, we'd like to say hello and thank you to Bob Simona from Salem, Massachusetts. Hey, that's where they had the Salem Witch Trials, which is, which is pretty cool. If you want to go there in October, right around Halloween, they have it all decked out. It's really, really cool, really fascinating place to check out. We also want to say thank you to Sylvia Ann Arola, who's listening to us in El Paso, Texas. Thank you very much, Sylvia. And I have a top fan on my list, Jerry Bradford, who's listening to us in Idaho. Thank you so much to Jerry. And last but not least, we want to send out a hearty copla to top fan E.B. Bake, who's in the capital of the United States of America, Washington, D.C. So thank you so much to each and every one of our listeners out there. If you'd like to hear your name mentioned on a fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page and tell us where you're listening from. It's that simple. And this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays. was not a Klingon song. You know, he says that every week, and every week we play it because we don't care because we like it. At any rate, this is where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and we always like to start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, tonight we have six remembrances, and I, I got to believe that uh, the new Worf uh, would actually like the birthday song. I feel like Zen Worf would be okay with having a birthday cake made for him. <laughs> I, yeah, I, Our first remembrance this week goes – yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think you're right, as long as we have chamomile tea with sugar. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. 
Well, our very first uh, remembrance this week goes all the way back to the beginning of the motion pictures, uh, the, the TOS motion pictures. We're saying happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances to actress Edna Glover, who portrayed that original female Vulcan Kolodar master in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, Edna lived to be the ripe old age of 95 years old and didn't really do too much acting. She appeared in a couple of episodes of Mannix and Charlie's Angels back in the day, but that was about it. Uh, but I think she did a great job as the Vulcan Colonar master in Star Trek The Motion Picture. So happy birthday, Edna Glover. Also, happy birthday to Teague Andrews, who played the Klingon Crass in the original series' second season episode, Friday's Child. That's back when the Klingons didn't have forehead ridges. Uh, Andrews has about a dozen movie roles and over 50 television guest appearances to his credit, but definitely is best known for his Emmy Award winning and Golden Globe nominated regular role as police captain Adam Greer on The Mod Squad, uh, one of those shows that a lot of people were pretty faithful to back in the day, and uh, T. Andrews, well known for that role. Uh, that show also had, of course, Clarence Williams III of Deep Space Nine fame, which is kind of cool. And I didn't really know before that Teague Andrews was actually born Tiger Andrews. He's of Syrian descent, and there's a tradition in Syrian culture of naming your children after uh, animals to ensure good health. So originally Tiger Andrews became Teague Andrews um, when he came to America and started acting. So lots of work on his resume. You should go check it out. Lived to be the ripe old age of 86 years old. Happy birthday, T. Very Andrews. cool, man. Very cool. Happy birthday. He's super cool. I and and you know it's kind of fun to go back and see those old Klingons. I still think I you know they just have such a different thing about them. <laughs> so he, when I think about old he Klingons, a, he's he, one of the faces that I remember. He was a weaselly kind of backstabbing Ferengi type Klingon. Yeah, it was before Klingon honor kind of became a thing, I think, you know, like honor among, we've talked about this on the podcast before, how Klingon honor was a TNG concept and not necessarily a a TOS. Well, I guess you could say maybe it was introduced in some of the movies, but it really came into its own in TNG. Yeah, an original series, don't you feel like they were more like pirates? Oh, totally. Yeah, it was like every band of Klingons that was out there was uh, out for their own glory, their own thing, and really just out to kind of like be stirs, right? Just to cause yeah. trouble. <laughs> it's like this guy, right? In Friday's so, Child, it's their, anyway. their whole thing is like, how can we like sort of infiltrate the locals and sort of start a, uh, a weapon smuggling thing with them, right? Like, I don't know if you remember Private Little War with the Mugatu, but it was the same kind of thing, right? Oh, the, sure. Yeah, Klingons are just always up to no good, you know, just kind of up to they're, – they're, they're more like stock bad guys, really. So that's why I love the whole deepening of Klingon stuff they did with uh, in Next Gen. <laughs> Drove off-road digression. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, man. I, Klingon, Jim will let us talk about Klingons as long as we want to. I have a – I have a, a. And do you know why that is, Eric? <laughs> do you know why that is? Oh, because he has a bat left that he loves to let people touch. No, it's because yes, – <laughs> it's, it's, I'll tell you another good reason. It's because Klingons never disappoint. This oh, is true. It's true. It's true. Beheadings on Wednesday. All right. Well, Teague Andrews, man, that was fun to kind of digress a little bit with you. Happy birthday. Uh, he would have had a birthday just a few days ago on March 19th. Um, 
Uh, happy birthday as well to actor Hagen Beggs, who appeared in three TOS episodes as Hansen, uh, Court Martial, and then the two-part uh, Menagerie episode, parts one and two. Uh, you know, one of those kind of side characters that has a face that uh, could appear in just about anything. Um, Hagen Beggs was actually originally Jim Hagen Beggs and eventually changed his name to Hagen. Kind of an interesting story. Him and his wife changed their stage names. Um, at the time, there were already actors with both of their names. So Margaret Maggie Smith became Anna Hagen, which uh, used her grandmother's maiden name. And James Beggs became Hagen Beggs, which was an homage to his wife. So I think that's really sweet that he changed his stage name to honor his wife's grandmother's maiden name. Um, Jim Hagen uh, appeared in a few, or excuse me, Jim Hagen Beggs <laughs> appeared in a few other things, including television series uh, Poltergeist, The Legacy, uh, the television series Millennium, and also Seven Days. A couple of other TV movie type appearances and stuff, but uh, mostly I think uh, known for that Star Trek appearance or those few Star Trek appearances. So Hagen Beggs would have had a birthday also on the 19th this week. Happy birthday, Hagen Beggs. Happy birthday as well to actor Richard Carlyle, who played Carl Yaker in the TOS first season episode, The Squire of Gothos. What a crazy, fun, proto-Q episode that is. Richard Carlyle was a longtime member of the Los Angeles Theater Company, Theater West, of which Jim Beaver is currently a member. Uh, Carlyle ran the Apprentice program for many, many years there and uh, had a lot of Star Trek people kind of come through that along the way, which is cool because it allowed him to sort of rub elbows with those people before he was even on the show. Uh, Carlisle acted in many live television dramas during the 50s, including Studio One, Craft Television Theater, and Playhouse 90. He was actually uh, in an episode of the show Studio One in 1950 entitled The Last Cruise, in which he co-starred with, guess who, DeForest Kelly nearly 17 years before they would work together on Star Trek. So I think that is very cool. Richard Carlisle, over 100 television guest appearances to his credit, as well as a handful of movies. Happy birthday, Richard Carlisle, and thanks so much for your contributions to Star Trek. You also live to be 95 years old, which I think is fantastic. Happy birthday as well to actress Karen Steele, who played the lovely Eve McCurran in the TOS first season episode, Mud's Women. Uh, Karen Steele definitely... Definitely known for her looks. She was a former cover girl and model, um, considered at the time one of the most, quote, strikingly beautiful actresses to ever work on film and television. Wow, that's quite the quote. She did make 16 movies, the most famous of which is probably Marty, uh, made in 1955. And funny story about that, rumor says that she was actually mistaken for another actress by producer Delbert Mann when he cast her in that movie. So who knows if the producer knew who he was actually casting, but he did a Sorry, great I've job. Sorry, I've been drinking heavily that day. I uh, mistook <laughs> you for someone else. <laughs> yes, you know That's Hollywood. A great story. <laughs> God, I love these little stories oh. that come up. You never know how you're going to get into the business, right? Yeah. So, uh, what was really going Karen on, man? Steele. That's what I want to know. I I know. <laughs> 
Uh, so Karen Steele, that great role as Eve McKeeran, thank you so much for your contributions. We did lose her a little too early. Um, she died of cancer when she was only 56 years old, so um, too bad we didn't get more of her loss back in 1988. Happy birthday, Karen Steele. And our last remembrance this week goes out to actor Logan Ramsey. That's right, that guy, uh, the one with the face who you just recognize when you see him. He played Claudius Marcus, of course, in the original series, second season episode, Bread and Circuses. But he's been in a ton of other stuff. Um, it's often brought up that his father was the one who um, famously announced the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, the guy whose voice you hear when you hear that, air raid Pearl Harbor, There's no, this is no drill. That's his father. Uh, but he went on to you know, have his own career outside of anything that his father was famous for. Um, he starred on Kung, or excuse me, guest starred on that Kung Fu series back in the day. Um, several other guest star appearances along the way. Um, actually played two different characters on one of my shows from my childhood, Knight Rider, which I think is pretty fun. <laughs> and, then, and then he did some movies along the way, too, including Scrooged, which is one of my favorite holiday movies. And he was also in Walking Tall Parts 1 and 2. Uh, Walking Tall, look him up. dude. Walking Tall. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff right there. Yeah, Logan classic Ramsey, driving uh, fair. Go Absolutely. Go check him out. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on his resume that is worth worth looking at. So uh, he would have had a birthday just two days ago on March 21st. Happy birthday, Logan Ramsey. And that does it for our remembrances this week, guys. So I'm going to pass this birthday candle over to Charles. Oh, thank you, Eric. <clears throat> a few of these I'm going to spin through, be, speed through because they don't have a lot of notable items on it then i'll start hitting people a little more notable cameron thor played narik in star trek next generation seven season episode gambits part one and two adam Polly, actor comedian writer producer who voiced nest in star trek's lower decks third season here all trust nothing robert Skin, skin can play Lieutenant Commander Derek's Next Generation episode, first season episode, Coming of Age and Conspiracy. Sadie Monroe played Lieutenant, no, played Lil in Star Trek, Short Treks, Children of Mars. Vanessa Branch played the adult version of Naomi Wildman in Star Trek Voyager's seven-season episode, Shattered. She also played Giselle in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And then some of my biggies. Oh, I know Biggie. We've, we've only seen a little bit of this guy. He just pops in, snaps his fingers, does whatever he wants does whatever he would do to any of the crew. Showed up in eight episodes of Next Generation, one episode of Deep Space Nine, three Voyager, four decks, and seven episodes of... Oh, who are we talking about? Well, of course we're knocking about Q. John Delancey's birthday just hit. Interesting uh, tie-ins. John Delancey appeared in, I think, three episodes of Six Million Dollar Man. 
appeared in the original Battlestar Galactica, the 79 series, and is one of a handful of actors who have appeared in both Star Trek and Doctor Who. Woo! And it's nice when you Including get that. Including Lon Noonien Singh. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to mention a fun um, Q or John Delancey adjacent story from uh, Portland Fan Expo that happened just a few weeks ago. Uh, I went to see the panel that, of course, was going to star uh, Brent Spiner, um, Gates McFadden, and um, and Mr. Riker himself there. And when they put the picture of who was going to be in the panel up on the screens as they were coming out to the stage, it had Jonathan Frakes, it had Gates McFadden, and it had John Delancey in the picture. <laughs> and Brent Spiner walked up to the <laughs> to the screen like, "What am I, chopped liver?" <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows why John Delancey was on the screen for the panel because he wasn't even at the convention. <laughs> Ooh, oh, he could have just snapped his fingers. <laughs> yep, and there he was. Well, I got to. I'll tell you, a John. And you know, Brent Spiner is not the guy that you want to upset. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. No, definitely not. We we went to a convention up in Syracuse, New York, to see John Delancey right between the first and second season of TNG. And, of course, William Campbell was there who from the Squire of Gothos. And somebody asked John Delancey if there was any plans for him to snap his fingers and bring back Tasha Yar. And what do you think he said? He said, yes, but I'm going to keep her for myself. That was his answer. So... <laughs> Very, very, uh, and if you've never met John Delancey, he's pretty much Q. That's pretty much what he's like. Yes. Pretty much Q. Definitely. So, yeah. All right. That was it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> okay. My next actor appeared in 97 episodes of Enterprise. A couple renditions of Stargate. We knew him as Commander Charles Tucker III. Happy birthday to Connor Trenier. And his last one is not an actor, but his work appeared in 176 episodes of DS9, 163 episodes of Deep Space Nine, 135 episodes of Voyager, Eight episodes of, Interpr- of Enterprise, or you mean, yeah, also showed up in Generation, First Contract, Insurrection, Nemesis, also did work in Monsters, Rockies 1, 2, 3, and 5, did work in MacGyver, many other TV movies. And was a judge in a series called Face Off. Big happy birthday to makeup designer Michael Westmore. That man's work is legendary. Before I go on to Paul, anybody want to comment about Michael Westmore? So talented. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What what can you say? (laughs) He, uh, you have a cousin he's, named he's, Yeah, Eastmore? I mean, when you're that... Yeah. 
no well i mean when you have when you've invented so many of the techniques that people use in modern makeup and when you're known for so many things that are quintessentially Star Trek, and when you've been doing it for this, I mean, no actor has been in this many episodes. Even Michael Dorn hasn't been in this many episodes of the Star Trek uh-huh. franchise, right? So, um, so his his reach is far and wide, and we are lucky to have him. In fact, the Wes Moores have a have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Wow, interesting. The family is just that know. is that uh, well known, is that popular? But I remember I remember not knowing who he was, and the seeing this seeing the series called Face Off on um, I think it was FX, and his knowledge and what he brought to judging was just unbelievable and the, the the stuff people brought in to doing these were just incredible I'm sure the newer Star Trek series has, have gotten some of these people working on from that from that show working if you guys if people have never seen Face Off it was a competition of makeup artists where they would do, and you wouldn't be doing just, oh, ordinary makeup. No, they were doing creatures. They were doing sci-fi makeup and doing full costumes. And they were just incredible pieces these people would do. Well, I'm sure some of them are definitely protégés of Michael. But... Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, his contributions are just like, you can't, you're absolutely right. I mean, you just can't, you can't even begin to, to appreciate them enough, I don't think. I mean, he created the... With Brent Spiner, the data makeup, he created the look of the Ferengi. Uh, he worked with Scorsese on Raging Bulls makeup. I mean, that's some nasty makeup, too. Well, I don't know if you watch Raging Bulls there, the, Well, you look at the fact that he did four of the five, four of the five Rocky movies. Dates yeah. all the way back to Monsters. And the creature oh, makeup he did on Monsters. I think he's he's famous also for co-creating the creature from the Black Lagoon makeup, right? I mean that is that is Wouldn't unbelievable. That that that's going back to 1954, if memory serves. But uh, he's just a you know I mean he's one of those folks you have to just call him a legend, right? I mean, he, I mean yes, I have been uh, the last few times I've watched Deep Space Nine because I started revisiting it and watching a lot of missed episodes this last year. You know, I mean, we always joke about, uh, you know, the Ridgehead's, you know, right. <laughs> Star Trek, right? But when you look at the Cardassian makeup, that is just brilliant. It is just astonishing because it's so elaborate, but just it's just every we, we're always, it seems on the show, big fans of the Cardassians, right? But it's just what's most amazing about that is how the actor's performance always somehow comes through that elaborate Cardassian makeup. I mean, it looks like they're wearing brick walls on their faces, frankly, right? But all those human emotions come through. And the only reason they do is because of the craft and, and art of Michael Westmore, man. It's just what, yeah. what incredible stuff he's done with his career. So uh, what, a, what a remarkable human being. Definitely. 
Well, to keep it going, Paul, who's on your list? All right. <laughs> right, man. This is all about birthdays, not us just going crazy, right? Exactly. But we do love yeah. to digress of us, right? right? Well, we I'm do. always excited to get a uh, an old school uh, original series episode uh, performer because I just think it's just a, a magical thing. And I just love knowing that there's all these actors still out there, right? So I'd like to wish a very warm happy birthday to actress Tanya Lemani, who is a uh, plays the dancer Kara, who uh, is, I believe, Scotty's first uh, supposed alleged victim in the second season episode, Wolf in the Fold, where they visit Argelius, of course, which is supposed to be, you know, it's, it's almost like a precursor of Risa, right? It's supposed to be the pleasure planet where you go and you can just do crazy things. And there's, you know, it's the 60s version of a pleasure planet. So it's like belly dancers and cocktails, right? And Scotty is accused of uh, of murdering this dancer more than one, and uh, and uh, she was the first first one, the first character. I'll just mention quickly uh, if you did not know that episode is infamous for having been written by the legendary writer Robert Block, who wrote uh, the book Psycho. Okay, um, really amazing. Uh, the, I think I was just love that they were getting. Uh, original series episodes by legit writers like Ted Sturgeon, right? And uh, Harlan Ellison, and in this case, Robert Block. You know, Robert Block sold the the book rights for the movie for Psycho for only $9,000, right? Probably seemed like a good wow. payday back in, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what year that was, right? 1960 or 59 or whatever year is 9000 bucks, right? But it's just like, man, I mean, but little do you know, what what your stuff can turn into, but so Robert Block, Tanya Lamani, what a recipe! Um, but uh, you certainly created an indelible character. So happy birthday, Tanya Lamani! That's a classic episode. Go watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Happy birthday also to another uh, luminary from the original series, uh, Leslie Parrish, who played Lieutenant Carolyn Palamas in another great second season episode, Who Mourns for Adonis. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people enjoy that episode. It's even had a sequel uh, made on Star Trek Continues, if memory serves. Am I remembering that correctly or do I have these really vivid dreams? I'm not sure, but that's what I remember. (laughs) Happy birthday, Leslie Parrish. It's a really cool episode. Um, I am kind of ridiculously huge fan of this next uh, actor. Um, I have been ever since, I think, like 1975. Uh, when he first appeared in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, you could kind of go crazy trying to list all the credits of actor Brad Adorif. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're here today to acknowledge his Star Trek contribution as crewman Lon Suter in the Voyager second season episodes Meld, uh, Basics Part 2, and then later on in Season 3 in Basics Part 2. Uh, it still blows my mind that uh, Brad Adorif is in Star Trek because there are just so many amazing things that Brad Dourif is famous for. Uh, Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Mississippi Burning, uh, Deadwood, uh, where he played Doc Cochran on that show there. Uh, uh, yes, the voice of Chucky. <laughs> we all have to admit we know that. I mean, you could go on and Excellent. on and on. Absolutely. X-Files. For me, though, uh, one of his most indelible performances is one of his most recent performances where he played Grima Wormtongue in The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, right opposite Christopher Lee. Uh, 
wow, if that's not uh, an acting, uh, the way he is when he's talking to Eowyn and trying to convince her of what she ought to do, that's just, man, probably one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. So I love Brad Dourif. Sir, you are a gentleman. You are a phenomenal talent. Um, there is just, and I say this with love and compliment, there is no one creepier than you. <laughs> the, greatest, the greatest guy ever. Uh, he won a BAFTA for uh, Cuckoo's Nest, and uh, I think he's won at least one. I want to say he's been, I know he's been nominated for like a Saturn Award at some point down the time there. And, uh, and been nominated for an Oscar uh, for Cuckoo's Nest as well. So a legendary performer. You just, man, you can't, he's one of those people that's just in everything, and he's never not astonishing. So the great Brad Dourif, part of Star Trek. Sometimes we forget all these cool people that are part of Star Trek. Happy birthday also to Abby Bramell, who played Persis in the Star Trek Enterprise fourth season episodes, Borderland, Cold Station 12, and The Augments. Those are on my list to go revisit again very soon as I've been working my way through uh, Star Trek Enterprise, which is so much cooler than uh, it gets credit for being. So, Abby Bramell, happy birthday. We see your work on Enterprise, and we love you. Happy birthday to Brian Brophy, this guy. This guy is super freaking cool, okay? Because if there is ever a great character, uh, and I would say, for me, top five episodes easily of Star Trek The Next Generation must Mm -hmm. include second season episode, The Measure of a Man, because that is an episode that is about something. Like, you cannot even deny. I mean, it is about the... uh, the nature of sentience, human rights. It's one of those great episodes that uses science fiction for a purpose to comment on society and where we are as a species. But Brian Brophy played Bruce Maddox, the guy who tries to initially come in and treat data like property, right? And say that he can be requisitioned like a, you know, like a desk and really comes away with a changed perspective as a result of that. So phenomenal performance and created a really great character there. To me, that's a, uh, a character that will live forever in the annals of good science fiction. Uh, I, I just think it is fascinating portrayal. So Brian Brophy, wow. Happy birthday, sir. Great, great work. And we were just talking about people that are like, what? They were in Star Trek? What? How is that possible? There's so many people, but uh, singer and actress Vanessa Williams. Yeah, that's right. That Vanessa Williams, uh, icon, uh, played Arandis in the Deep Space Nine fifth season episode, Let He Who Is Without Sin. Pretty cool title there, I would have to say, as well. So, Vanessa Williams, you are amazing. Also, uh, one of my son's favorite movies, uh, (laughs) Elmo and Grouchland. I'll just let it go. (laughs) Can't deny it, Vanessa. You were amazing in that movie, and uh, we love you. And it's great that you're part of Star Trek as well, of your many other credits. And one more birthday for me most recently uh, appearing in the Star Trek uh, universe, uh, an actress who will be ever uh, known for saying, if any of you effing pricks move, I'll execute every blankety blank last one of you. That's right, honey bunny. It's Amanda Plummer (laughs) from Pulp Fiction. Exactly, man. Amanda Plummer. Honey Bunny herself, she is wild. <laughs> she is totally wild. But she's got some crazy stuff 
and her CV. She's done so many cool things. And now she is in Star Trek as Vatic. And we have not completely solved. Well, I've been no. out of the country, and so I'm a little behind with my Star Trek watching. So there may be moments when you may be tempted to uh, blurt something out, fellow folks, and that's okay. I'll just rip my headphones off if necessary. Uh, I, as of my <laughs> – I will slowly choke myself until I cannot hear. Will that satisfy you? I will do this to avoid spoilage. Some of my friends like to spoil, but I don't like it. I'm, I turn into Honey Bunny. When somebody spoils something for me, let's just leave it at that. Uh, uh, but she's also going to play uh, on the the new show Ratchet that's coming out about uh, the nurse Ratchet character and the psychiatric hospital. She's on that show coming up as well. As far as I know, we haven't completely uh, solved the mystery of Vatic yet, but maybe that's no, already been the last like. Uh, yeah, okay, good. Nope. Thank you, Charles. Nope. <laughs> Thank you for doing that in a cool way that didn't spoil anything for me. But uh, I'm a little behind uh, with everything. But uh, but she's very I mean, she's just so striking and impossible to miss. I mean, uh, and really creates an interesting character. You certainly, I feel uh, with the Vatic character that I've been left wanting so much more information about her. I've, uh, we've had a tantalizing yeah. glimpse. Seems really uh, up to something, uh, but everyone seems up to something the deeper into the season that you get, which you're going to talk about in a little bit, I'm sure. But, man, uh, what, a, what a legendary uh, actress. And, of course, we have to acknowledge that this is now a legacy family, the Plummers, because old daddy-o, Christopher Plummer, is famous for his uh, Shakespeare-quoting uh, portrayal in The Undiscovered Country, where he played from my book, one of the greatest screen Klingons of all time. <laughs> Cry havoc. Uh, with his crazy bone cane, right? That's like the greatest thing ever. So Amanda Plummer, you have an amazing uh, career. You've been in so many cool things. You were with Robin Williams in The Fisher King, and now you're part of Star Trek. So absolutely glorious to be able to uh, see uh, only one of your many cool facets. And... Uh, uh, You've been in at least three episodes so far. Last one I recall was No Win Scenario of season three. So I hope we see more to you so that when we acknowledge you next year, we have even more episodes to list on this list. And I will stop talking <laughs> and pass this over to Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim's got some tickle big ones. He's got the captain's story not bleed. Wrong us. <laughs> Shall we not revenge? Our rebels now are ended, Kirk. Cry havoc! And let's put the dogs of war! I am constant as the northern star. I'd give real money if he'd shut up. To be or not to be. You know... You haven't heard it till you heard it in its original Klingon, right? It's true. Yeah. It's true. That's right. That's what they say. <laughs> I'm not arguing with any Klingons, not me. <laughs> and, and, of course, you know, I love the, you know, her and her. her if, if she could be in a movie with Chang, would that not be cool? Vatic and Chang would be awesome. <laughs> No, yeah, you, yeah that all, that's only cool. happening thanks to AI, dude. <laughs> yep, like AI stuff. <laughs> well, that's I the only way you can make that happen at this stage. 
I don't have a lot of birthdays, unfortunately, not like, like the rest of the guys. I only have three, but there are three good ones, I <laughs> think. Um, three, three, three big guns, actually, in the world of uh, Star Trek. We want to start off with, um, you know, the man, the myth, the legend himself, um, the actor who is known most for T.J. Hooker, of course. Um, you know, wait a minute, William and Shatner, other great performances too. When you say William Shatner, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is T.J. Hooker, and of course, uh, Mr. Tambourine Man, uh, Twilight Zone, Rocket Man, Rocket Twilight Man, Zone, yeah. It could be Tech War, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Might be Boston Legal, perhaps? Maybe? I don't that know. That one guy from that one movie? That that guy from that movie? Yeah, it could be him. Uh, Airplane 2? Airplane 2 is what I think of. Airplane 2. I mean, it could be anything, but some of us, some of us out there, when you hear the word William Shatner, you might immediately go to the Starship Enterprise because he's the Emmy Award-winning Canadian actor most famous for portraying James T. Kirk, captain of the Enterprise in Star Trek, the original series. He also played the same role in 21 episodes of Star Trek, the animated series, and the first seven Star Trek movies. He also wrote and directed what I think is the best Star Trek movie, unquestionably, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. So uh, we say happy birthday. Uh, 91, I think it is. 91 wow. years old. I think, I think it's William 92, Trek. I heard. Oh, yeah, and, you know, Jim, that's a cool concept about, uh, about Star Trek V. I think you should do a panel about that. You know, I think I'm, I think if you guys are going to be no a Trek launch friend, <laughs> you can attend my panel and find out why you're mistaken if you think any other movie is better than Star Trek V. You'll find out. I, I got to be honest. That's a that's a panel I really, really, really would like to attend. I really would. I would be you know, sincerely. I think it would be fascinating. I think you're going to be. Uh, you know, uh, I think you're going to have a really cool, lively audience with that. Uh, with that I, panel, I, I, I please, tell me it's being recorded, man, in some way I, that we know, can we can hear it. Maybe you can play it as a special it. extra episode or something. I wish I could have someone in the audience to do that. I wish someone had been able to record our panels that we did at Trek Conoroga last year as well. Turn on your um, iPhone, man. Just use your audio thing on your iPhone. Just record it. Yeah, well, I'll see if we can make that happen. That's what but, I do at IEP uh, yeah. meetings. I just, I just turn it on. No one knows. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember exactly what you said. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, man. So, at any rate, William Sorry. Shatner. Love you. Happy birthday to William Shatner, James D. Kirk himself. Uh, the next one, I think, is, is a big one because um, I think that she has blazed the trail. Um, and I think she set the bar pretty high for future Star Trek uh, captains to try to reach. Um, I'm also going to be doing a panel about her as well. So we want to say happy birthday to Sonequa Martin-Green, who plays Michael yeah. Burnham on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and uh, I think that it was, she was also in The Walking Dead as well. Um, I forgot the character she played on The Walking Dead because – 
Sadly enough, I'm not a huge Walking Dead fan, but I do remember she was on Sasha, maybe? Sasha sounds familiar. On Walking Dead? Uh, yeah. Wasn't yeah, she Sasha? played Sasha, man. She played Sasha, yeah. And she so rocked it. Walk- that was, I mean, she rocked it hard. She was great on that show. I mean, she was one of the one of the highlights. Really, really just, and like you say, man, she's just top-tier talent. She's great. <laughs> they, they have a show uh, called Talking Dead. Uh, which is on after The Walking Dead. And when they killed off her character on The Walking Dead and they had her on the final episode, she was talking about coming on Star Trek and how excited she was to be joining Star Trek. And she, she flashed the live long and prosper on The Walking Dead. And I uh, was like, wow, she seems really cool. And she did not disappoint. Michael Burnham's journey has been a fantastic journey to go along with her on. I'm looking forward to seeing where it ends up in the fifth season, and I'm definitely going to miss her being on my TV show every Thursday. So happy birthday to Sonequa Martin-Green. She's definitely a trailblazer, and we're very lucky to have her in the Star Trek family. Let's fly. And I always save the Klingons for last. And boy, oh boy, oh boy. Do I have, like, the ultimate Klingon here? Nope, it's not Michael Dorn. Um, but <laughs> just as good, though, uh, we want to say kapla, a hearty kapla to J.G. Hertzler himself, uh, the man behind General Martok on Deep Space Nine, I think. And, of course, Chancellor Martok, because after Gowron was uh, killed by Worf, he became the Chancellor. And I really, it would be so great if they would go back and revisit that. I want to see what Martok and Worf did to the Klingon Empire. We we don't know. We haven't seen anything. Hopefully someday we do. But J.G. Hertzler, uh, not only did he play Martok, but uh, he's one of only five actors to play seven or more different characters in the Star Trek franchise. The other uh, being Jeffrey Combs, who we all know and love, Randy Oglesby, Vaughn Armstrong, and Thomas Kopachi. Uh, Kopachi. Kopachi. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh, but other than Martok, uh, which he played on Deep Space Nine for four seasons, he also played the Vulcan captain of the USS Saratoga in the DS9 episode, The Emissary. Uh, he played Roy Rittenhouse in the Deep Space Nine episode, Far Beyond the Stars, which... By the way, if you have not seen that episode, go back and watch it. It's outstanding. Avery Brooks knocks it out of the park in that episode. It's just phenomenal. Um, He also played Laz in in Deep Space Nine's episode Chimera and Kolos in Enterprise The Judgment. And that was a that episode was phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil it for you right now because it's 2005, okay? At the end of the episode, he's offered the opportunity to either leave with Captain Archer and be free and he chooses stay behind because that would mean forfeiting his honor if he left. It's, it's a great, powerful scene, great character, and uh, just... Wow, you, you got to check that one out. And uh, most recently, he appeared on Lower Decks uh, Terminal 
Slovakic station. Uh, that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays. But before I finish, every year I get an opportunity to play this clip because it's so great. I had an opportunity to meet General Martok himself at Saratoga Comic Con. And I walked up to his table and I said, Hey, G, did he actually write these roles for you in Klingon? Like in the script, is it in Klingon or is it in English? And they teach you Klingon. How does that how does that happen? And he said, no, he has to learn the lines in Klingon. And to prove it to me, he sang the Klingon war song, which I whipped out myself and recorded it. I'm going to share that for you guys right here. Here's Jay Chi singing the Klingon war song at Saratoga Comic-Con. Oh, I don't know, about five or six. Okay, now we're going. This is the Klingon warrior's anthem. I played General Martok on Deep Space Nine, and this is how it goes. Oi, Kalef, who grown? Oi, Pusve, who? Yakba, Makba, Dejuvi, Semwaktu, Meo, Masho, Manang, Amakak. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, JG singing the Klingon War song. He is so cool. If you get a chance to meet him at a convention, he's absolutely awesome. Uh, Finishes up all of our birthdays, guys. And now it's time to talk about Star Trek Picard, which is last week's episode. So every week I ask you guys, our faithful Star Trek followers on our Facebook page, to score each week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And I go around and I collect all your scores, and we give the episode a grade from you guys, the fans, and we compare that to what we think here on the podcast. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about imposters? Eric, you, are you there, Eric? Can all? you reach out to yeah, me? Yeah, so Eric. here we go. Yep, I, you know, we had a little bit of... Uh, we got mute. technical difficulties every now and then, but then... Uh, yeah, the microphones so Rick, are crazy tonight. So Rick Martin said uh, that he gave it a 9.5. They've been doing a slow build on this storyline, and this episode was a lot more gripping. Even a few, uh, even a few le- uh, edge-of-your-seat moments, so very enjoyable. Rick loved it. Top fan Brian Kane gave it a 9.5 as well. The Wharf Rafi subplot is weak and borderline silly, they kept me guessing if Roe was a changeling, so that worked well. Pretty good episode all the way around. Alan Schoolcraft said, I'll give it a 10 just for resolving the whatever happened to Vincent Roe question. The Worf Rafi story was cool, too. Loved seeing Kirk Acevedo as a Vulcan gangster. He did great. Lena Lawson said a nine. It was a great episode, very intriguing. Can't wait to discover what's really up with Jack. The season has been fantastic. So wish it wasn't going to be the end. 
Leon Heffernan said, I really enjoyed this episode. It was a nice change of pace. They kept the moment going, the momentum going. It was a surprise to see Roe again and a heartbreaking end to her story. I'll give the episode a 10. The previous four episodes were amazing. I was worried that this episode would be a filler, but it wasn't. It was perfect. Hit every note correctly. Didn't take us on a side adventure. Kept the main story arc going. Thanks, Liam. Seamus Duff said a five. It's an improvement on the episode so far, but still suffering from pacing issues. Basically, the first four episodes should have been one, as Worf and Rafi have been stuck on that planet for too long now. But gladly, that seems to be tied up now. Yes, it is great to see Roe back, but also utterly preposterous and reeks of the writers adding a legacy character for nostalgia reasons and not much else. There's no way she would be allowed back into Starfleet, and she would actually have been more heroic to have been slain by the Dominion in the war. I have half a mind to drop this to 4 out of 10 over the way they were treating Beverly. He is not a background character, goddammit. And also the Jack Red Door substory is getting boring fast, pacing again. Just reveal what's happening there already. It's not interesting enough to be dragged out this slow. Thanks, Seamus. Nancy Meadows Rasmussen said 10 just because I love Picard and Trek. Jen Souza Lavario said, I'll give it a 9 because I'm not a fan of writers killing off characters for dramatic effect. Ichev's death was quite unnecessary. Roe, while I wasn't a fan of her character and betrayal during TNG, could have redeemed herself by being a powerful ally to our main cast. Top fan Steve Persall gave it a 10, Death of Worf being the best bit, haha. Marguerite Becker Belavance said 10, the whole shapeshifter story, the Bajorans, exclamation times four, Worf and Rafi being spies, Jack Picard's mystery, it's thrilling. And finally, Janelle Bowen said a 10, because of the Worf-Rafi story, reminding her of Worf Jadzia Dax's storyline. The changelings can become anyone or everything in any form. Worf was asking where is Commander Roe and not knowing that she is dead after the shuttlecraft exploded. That, guys, gives us a fan score this week of a healthy 9.3, putting it right up there in the middle of the pack with uh, scores so far. So far, uh, episode one was the strongest from our fan standpoint at a 9.6, so 9.3 is not that much lower. Nope, not at all. all right, well, after it's... our fan shout-outs, we always like to pass this along to Charles, who will help remind us of those episodes that we should already have known going into this one. Right, Charles? Yep. Let's do some cadet or we can, Or we can talk about, or we can in- include you to want to talk about later. We like cadet training. After I get some music. All right. Oh, Stasis and she was just central to this episode. <clears throat> Ro Laren appeared in eight TNG episodes. Ensign Rose, season five, episode three. And the, I'll go through the list. These are all season five. Disaster, episode five. Conundrum, episode 14. Power Play, episode 15. Cause and Effect, Episode 18. The Next Phase, Episode 24. 
Season 6, Episode 7, Rascal. And finally, Season 7, Episode 24, Preemptive Strike. So she appeared in a lot of episodes. Interesting little uh, side note that I've noticed and reminded of. Ensign Rowe actually had her chance to appear in DS9. She was going to be the Bajoran representative on DS9, but she chose, she did not want to take the role. Instead, we got Kira instead. An interesting little one I'll throw in there is TNG's Night Terrors. Season 4, Episode 17. When Picard reference, well, you forgot about Guinan's gun behind the bar. And that's the episode where she pulls out that gun in the bar. And then to throw in a little bit of uh, insight, belief in what's going on, I see one other in Picard's episode, season one episode, Remembrance, to the fact that we've seen somebody rather activate themselves and start fighting the enemy as Dodge starts kicking kicking uh, Romulan butt when uh, they start to attack her. So, Jim, I think we want to discuss the episode. Absolutely. Let's dive right in, nose first, and uh, talk about Rolaren. So, you know... I seem to recall from Deep Space Nine when uh, Thomas Riker tried to steal a Defiant that the Maquis were wiped out by the Cardassians and the Dominion uh, during the Dominion War. They just went in there and just pulverized all the planets and killed them all. Uh, Yet, Rolaren is still around. And uh, I went back and watched Preemptive Strike where she betrays the Federation and Picard. And I noticed that she had a very pronounced nose ridge, and it even went up on her eyebrows. Yet when we see her on Picard, but she must have had a nose job because she barely has a ridge at all, unless maybe when Bajorans get older, their nose ridge maybe gets smaller, maybe? I, I don't know. So, Eric, what do you think about Rolaren coming back? I mean, you know, the way they did it, you know, could they have picked someone better, someone different? I mean, what do you think? (laughs) No, I don't think (laughs) – I don't think you're going to pick a different actress for sure. I thought she was fantastic. I mean, uh, of course – Rolaren being one of my what I mean I don't know if she was one of my favorites but she was such an interesting character from the TNG days and I thought that like one of my favorite parts of her coming back was that they kind of reignited and reminded us of how close she was with Picard um you know as a result of some of those I mean he he really went out on a limb in the TNG days he really tried to trust her and um and he did feel betrayed and it was, in a lot of ways, uh, Picard's sadness over um, that whole scenario and the kind of healing that I think happened in this episode was way more convincing to me than some of the other kind of Picard pain storylines that we saw throughout, particularly season two. Um, 
but even before, I, I, it just was really convincing to me. So I, I love that. I love that they give Roe, to me, some of the best lines as well in this episode. I mean, she says things like, um, the natural evolution of pride is downfall, you know, and, uh, you know, she says, um, blind faith in any institution is not honorable. Uh, I think those are great, like, lines that just kind of make you go, whoa. Uh, yeah, that's, there's something to, to think about there. Um, I had some, I didn't really have too many questions about the nose ridge. I, I know what you're talking about, Jim, uh, back when she was in the TNG days, the, the nose ridge kind of went up and then it sort of became this little thing that went above her eyebrows and they, they got rid of that, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't really bother me too much, you know, little makeup differences here and there it wasn't enough to suspend my disbelief, even though I, I did notice it, um, so I didn't, I didn't have too much of a problem with that. But what a strong way to bring back that character to only then kill her off. I was heartbroken. I mean, a death worthy, sure, um, and, and, and an absolute great way that I think Ro Laren, if she could choose how she was going to go, that would be a great way to go. Um, but I can't completely disagree with our, our one um, – fan who who gave this episode a five i'm not saying i'm giving it a five at all i thought it was a great episode but you know there's some questions about whether or not she would actually be let back into starfleet um i think the implication from this episode is that she just had such connections and such skills and had demonstrated such and such progress during this aggressive rehabilitation program whatever that is that they put her through that they can make use out of her um okay it would still be really hard to trust her. And she rose to commander. She went to prison. She, wait, she did Maquis stuff. She, she put herself, turned herself in, spent time in prison, went through Starfleet. And in 26 years, that all happened and she became a commander. So it could happen, but man, that's a, that's a busy life. <laughs> they basically gave her like the, uh, they gave her the, uh, the character arc of, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character from, uh, uh, oh, God, what the hell was it even called now? What the Boston thing, man? The, the Departed, right? Where it's just like, you know, oh, it's yeah. just the, the person who's like, okay, you're going to be back in here, but you're, we're going to say that you went to jail, but you're really a badass, so we're going to make it seem like you're really a badass, but we're going to actually put you in intelligence, well, and you'll be a great, you know, asset. So it's that whole kind of thing. Look yeah, at the, so, look you at, know, there's... Oh, go ahead. Look at the... Look at the uh, Fan Michael Burnham went through. He went through basically being sent to prison and end up back to regaining her life within a couple of years. Yeah, within a few <laughs> years. Yeah, so. from mutiny to command. Isn't that her? Isn't that her art? <laughs> <laughs> within but, a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know. But let's do you know clean enough about, uh, silverware. It's okay. But how about we go through? This character showing up. I think this character was as was as secret uh, as kept a biggest secret as Will Wheaton yeah. was showing in Picard. We didn't know totally. Ro, Ro was going to show up. It's like, wait a minute, Rose here? Wait, 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 wait. What's she doing here? It's like I didn't hear down the grapevine that she was showing up. 
they're doing a good job of sneaking some people in that we don't re- don't expect showing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was great that yeah. they picked her for the simple reason that first of all, she she didn't look like Roe. Her hair was a, a very unbajoran like. Uh, she didn't wear her earring. Mm-hmm. She didn't have well the, the nose ridge was not as pronounced as it was. And the way they presented she looked like her, Admiral Kane from yeah, she, BSG. She was, yeah. She just, when she cuts her hand and she says, let's get this over with, and cuts her hand, and at that same moment, Beverly is finding out that changelings can bleed now and tells Picard yeah. that. And they, they were just setting it up to be like, this isn't Roe, this is a changeling. And then they pulled the rug out from underneath us, and it really was her. So I thought that yeah. was – because. All of us had that doubt in our mind. You know, she was in prison. That can't be her. She's not acting like her. She doesn't look like her. We all had that doubt in our mind. And that's why I thought for sure she was a changeling. But, boy, was I wrong. (laughs) For sure. Well, I think Starfleet intelligence can kind of get people they really want. I think that includes a little bit of Section 31 in there. So I think they've got a little bit of their own thing going on that sometimes they can grab people. And Ro Laren, with her knowledge of the Bajoran and the Maquis, that uh, I think she was an asset to them because they knew things she could do. What they were getting. What did you think about her... Uh, handing Picard the earring with with the with all of her investigation and all of the changelings that she's found in Starfleet, Paul. What do you think about that? Well, Holmes, uh, I got to be frank with you. Um, that section of the episode I have not yet seen. I only started watching it today, and uh, you know, oh, okay. I just got off a plane late last night, so uh, I was thrilled to find out though that uh, that the character does die. That's great. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, thanks, spoiler. <laughs> um, oops. I love that. Spoiler. Uh, you know, I, I think I got to hand that one to um uh, to oh who was it? Uh, was it Seamus Duff? Who <laughs> really just left that one out there too? I can't even remember. But uh, but no. Um. Uh, so there's a lot of how it ends. Um, I'm excited for it. Frankly. Um, I will take any teaspoonful, eyedropper full of Michelle Forbes any chance I can get it, okay? I think she is astonishing talent. Um, to me, she's one of the bright lights that was always on Next Gen. Um, I love, man, like Charles is saying, I love that they have not revealed everything, right? I mean, there's such a tendency with the publicity machine to just uh, – uh, uh, spew right and tell everything and I don't want to know everything man I mean do you guys agree I mean isn't it nice to have mm-hmm. a surprise like that yeah I like oh, yeah. it not knowing yeah. it and to me it's like you know at this point midway through the series right I'm like well who else is coming on that we don't know about oh I mean that's mm-hmm. cool right because it, it's nice so you haven't put all your cards down on the table yet and you know we always were wondering like what happened to Right. Because she had such a cool arc. Right. She was brought in to kind of, you know, be the gateway drug to help audiences transition to a different tone of what was coming from Deep Space Nine. Right. Um, Darker, more adult, serious storylines. Right. Because she was a badass. 
right? I mean, she's a complete badass. You know, the, she comes in. I mean, the way she's introduced, is she just totally takes no shit from anybody. I love that. And she's still, she's maintained a great career for herself. Um, fascinating. I, I can't – I've gotten as far through uh, her initial conversation uh, in the bar with Picard, right, where they kind of realize, okay, we've realized that each other are legit because we just had a big emotional – confessional so we know that neither one of us is a changeling so i got that far through and i thought that scene between the two of them was just great man I mean, it's just like it's like that scene uh, the really you know uh, come to jesus scene that uh, picard had with beverly a few episodes ago right such great acting mm-hmm. to watch two really good actors just you know where he's like you you broke my heart right and she's like well you broke mine and I just like, you know, wow. I mean, this is meaty dialogue. Mm-hmm. Really cool. I was thrilled to get to see Roller. And again, it was a great surprise, man. I was just really excited. So, uh, and it's not a huge, I mean, I'm not taking it as like an awful spoiler that now I know her fate. I don't know exactly what it is. I just know that she doesn't live through it. Right. But, uh, but uh, just because, you know, a badass character, it's cool when they go out in kind of a blaze of glory and don't necessarily just get trundled out forever. Right. But kind of, you know, go out, you know, you know, (laughs) better to rule in hell, so to speak. Right. You know, I just think it's, I think it's just cool. So I was just really super excited. You referenced uh, Admiral Kane from Galactica. Right. I mean, that's, that's, you know, uh, that's the kind of thing you expect from Michelle Forbes, man. She's just kick ass. So it was really great. I was super excited. What I've seen of this episode, I loved. It was super exciting. Um, it is really fun to, uh, you know, some of these things are stylistic choices, right? I mean, it's cool that they're evolving how the changelings can do different things, right? But it's just, you know, I think it's almost like how could they not? Because it's like the old changeling morphing effect is like really bad. That's <laughs> infancy of CG that was there in the day, man. It's just like, it's kind of funny when you look at it now, right? So it's cool that they said, okay, we want to update the morphing, but make it even more. Let's update it in a new way. So I'm curious to see where all that leads to, right? Because something's going on with all these crazy tendrils and red door stuff and the secrets of, of Jack Crusher. I don't know what it all is, but as the, as the plot gets deeper and more labyrinth like, um, I'm enjoying it. I don't happen to agree uh, I want to go back to this cool, I love the comments that were so passionate from Seamus Duff, right? Um, one of our uh, fans earlier said that they, the first five episodes should have, first four episodes should have been one episode. Uh, I don't agree with that. I think the pacing's been really interesting. Um, uh, and uh, the more I watch it, the more I like it, right? It's a, it's a little interesting to uh, to see how it plays out, but I'm more, the more they spool out the story and the mystery, the more intrigued I am fellas. So I'm, I'm really liking where it's going. I'm super curious. Um, I'm hearing great things about the episode, the, uh, the most recent one. I can't wait to watch it. So I'm just, I'm super excited, you know, I mean, it's really fun. Um, you know, is there a way to give uh yeah, Seamus, man, I'm not, that's not criticism from me, brother. I'm just fascinated by you. I think you have uh, interesting, passionate comments, right? Uh, really, I, I, I like that kind of zeal. I think that's way cool. I just think it's been interesting. I think that uh, for me, these episodes benefit from a second watch, right? Um, is giving them a second viewing. I think that you get a lot more out of it. And you're kind of like, okay, now I kind of see where they were going here. Um, man, um, 
I'll tell you what, though. Uh, the, the, there's just some great acting going on in this show. Uh, I don't know who I'm more impressed by, uh, you know, Michael Dorn or Jonathan Frakes. I mean, those two guys, I feel like they just, they really prepared themselves. And I just feel like you really see them. Uh, I love what he's doing, what Michael Dorn is doing uh, for this new version of Lore. I love him. He is fascinating. And I feel like Frakes is more accessible and emotional and vulnerable in some ways now. And like, you know, the scene he had last week where he like kind of confides to uh, Deanna, you know, I, I, we kind of saw a birth here and that kind of changed me. I was just like, that was great, man. So everyone's getting their moments, right. You know, and uh, you know, uh, again, I just, I think Seamus' comments are really interesting. That's why I keep going back to it. But he's talking about treating Beverly as a background character. You know, there's going to be some major Beverly scenes coming. Uh, I guarantee no. you. So uh, I, I love it. I'm just thrilled guys. Very fun. Super fun, and I have a lot of questions. So, uh, yeah, I, I wish I'd seen more of this week's episode. I kind of feel bad that I haven't, but, but man, it's 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 definitely uh, curious. I feel like it's also not as darkly lit. <laughs> so, well, you know, so we'll Paul, see. back to what Seamus was saying, in my opinion, I feel that uh, the first three episodes inside the nebula I think by not squeak, by not condensing them down, by making them three episodes, they have the opportunity to do a lot more with it and expand upon it a lot more than to than to try to shoehorn it into one episode and then move on. You know, they've, yeah, they've had yeah, a lot of agree. Or show us, you know, what's going on with the characters. That great scene with the dipshit from Chicago, you know, all <laughs> that stuff. So I think that. You know, I, for me, they're moving at just the right pace for me. Yeah. And, you I, know, uh, I also, um, uh, the, <laughs> I, just, I just love the new captains just grown on me so much. Right. I mean, he's just, uh, um, sorry, I'm having a senior moment. Yes. I have jet, jet lag. Help me That's out. All. <laughs> That's all. Sean, oh, thank about- you. Thank you. He's great in this episode where he's like, or maybe they'll remember the time that you destroyed this, or maybe. (laughs) He kind of is, like he says, he's like, you know, at some point I, you know, what did he say a couple weeks ago? I replaced charm with being an asshole or something. (laughs) He kind of is unrepentantly a jerk. And, but it's, he's a great jerk. He's really, he's a fun character to have around when he, reinstated seven with the hand gesture, right? That whole thing. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Or to be yeah. Stated or re- and, and it was like, I, I guarantee you that was an improv moment, right? It seemed like something that was, he just made up as an actor right there with the hand gesture, like he was knighting <laughs> her. It was hilarious. It was hilarious guys. So uh, I just thought that was really intriguing stuff. Um, and I gotta, I gotta feel like it's the directors who are letting these guys, you know, everyone's kind of taken their lead from, uh, from, uh, from uh, Frakes, right? And just kind of like saying, treat the people, let them do their thing. They know these characters and let them have fun. And man, it really shows. It's yeah. so entertaining. It, it is. I was gonna ask David, you know, what did you think about Captain Liam Shaw getting the Titan back and what happened? Like what happened to him or the ship? Well, no, what happened with, with his character when, you know, there was a lot of things going on with Liam Shaw in this episode. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, 
I thought it was good. Um, I'm. I I like the um, what you call it the uh, the characters when they they even though they don't like each other they understand each other and yet the you know they can't um, they can't seem to stand each other in one room at some time and all of a sudden a completely big turn of event just like changes everybody back to okay we need to work together we need to actually get solve this problem and you know no matter if we don't like each other you know this this because like what Picard said you know you basically can get stuff done together than you can alone so it's just like yeah I, I like the um the style I just I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have too much of an opinion with the whole Shaw getting his command back, but I did have some interesting insight about the whole uh, why they chose Roe instead of somebody else. But I think it's because Roe, at the end of the season of TNG, had such a big impact emotionally because he did betray Picard and everything. So I thought it, it was a perfect choice to bring her back because no one else in TNG that we did I that I could think of could actually do an appearance to come back as a um, character who they decided to kill off for some reason. I didn't really like that part. I was hoping that Roe would have actually stayed around for a little bit longer, but this is actually halfway through the season now. I was like, oh man, when are they going to show up? Mm. So. Yeah, it was just the idea that Roe was probably the perfect choice because who was that other TNT character that came back into like lower decks that nobody even remembered? She, she like became a captain of, huh? Oh, oh, you're talking about Sonya Gomez? Yeah, yeah. her. I mean, uh, uh, you know, even then it was like, who's who? Who's she? And so it's just like. I'm glad it wasn't her that came back as an appearance, but, you know, it was just kind of like a person that you know that had a big effect, especially at the end of the right. season. Had David brings up a good point. David, do we know, uh, do we know, David, like anything about, like, what happened to Barkley after Next Gen? Well, he did show up in Voyager. He was a pretty big part in the end of Voyager, but... Um, so he's like still alive, right? We're, we're yeah. assuming. Or? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised okay. if he did show up. But um, yeah, as far as Barclay's concerned, I thought his whole idea was, well, his whole plot would put him at finish in Voyager. They, they might okay. mention him he's like not... they did with Admiral uh, Janeway, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I, cool, interesting, man. I want, interesting. I want to throw in the comment <laughs> that's interesting gonna... that there's. A, there was a, a chatter at one point online of we're going to lose one of the legacy characters. <clears throat> and they're all saying, oh, we're going to lose Beverly. We're going to lose this person. It's like, I don't think anybody predicted that somebody like, we could lose somebody like Roe. Hmm. So we did lose a legacy character, but she added the plot of the story, which... Maybe that was what they were kind of leaking. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to lose a ma- we're going to lose a legacy character, but it's not one of the major characters that we think of at this point. And yet, we'll leave you hanging, thinking about that. That we know of so far. I mean, they could still so, right. very well possibly kill off exactly. a legacy character. 
Well, I I think they 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 could have figured out a way to save her, but letting it I don't want to say too much because Paul's on, but I think <laughs> that they could they, they I think they that they could have saved her, but not saving her was so much more dramatic than had they saved her. I think the way yeah. it ended was 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 perfect. Although I would have liked if they had saved her, so I, I'm kind of mixed on that well, whole thing. Yeah. But I, I well, don't I think I think it was yep. an honorable. It was yeah. an honorable death, as Worf would say. It was an honorable death. And speaking of Worf, I gotta say that I love the Worf Rafi stuff. Um, when they're when they're yeah. practicing their Tai Chi or what chooch, whatever it was on the ship, <laughs> and they're fighting, and Worf is just kind of standing there with one hand behind his back, kind of yawning and waving his his sword over there, and uh, you know he's like, "This is you're not even trying, Rafi," and he's just like, "Yum da dee da da dum," and then he stops. You know where he learned that? You know how he learned that sword fighting? Uh, no, I don't. Well, he used to be the Three Mesh Secures in the holodeck, wasn't he? Didn't he do a Three Mesh Secure episode in the TNG? I think that was Barkley. Oh, wait, Barkley. Okay. No, uh, that's where he's uh, not a merry man. Okay. But I loved the Warp Rafi stuff on the planet. Yeah. I loved the Vulcan gangster. And I and I love it when Worf says, "You drop your weapon." I assure you, we have the upper hand. And Rafi has a holographic emitter. I, I wasn't aware that they that they used those. I thought there was only one. I might be wrong. Um, Except to realize who they were. Intelligence, for. right? If they if, if anything exists, intelligence has always got it, right? So that's that's, that's an true. easy one to buy. Section thirty one can get anything. But, yeah. uh, but they're great, man. They got they got a real uh, lethal weapon, you know, good cop, bad cop vibe going on there. It's it's it fun, right? And it's when, when he's she just killed, so great, dude. I was a little bit disappointed though that the, like back to what Paul was saying, when they killed when she kills Worf, okay, she kills Worf, and I knew that she didn't kill Worf because. They had shown him in trailers on the enter on the ship meeting Picard, and so I knew he wasn't dead, and that kind of ruined that moment for me because when she kills him, I knew he wasn't dead. But I still love that scene to begin with, anyways, because we know that Klingons have backup organs. So when she stabs him, he's not really dead, and when he says, "I've mastered the Klingon art of Chong Chu or whatever it was." to slow down his, his heart and appear dead. I was like, that is so warp. He's like the <laughs> bomb. I loved it. What did you think about that, Charles? Well, okay. One of the things that you were talking about, letting people do their thing. And I learned this from the ready room. Those scenes in the script were not as long, not as complicated. But when they got their stunt coordinator and Rafi Worf started going at it, they stretched those out and made them much more complex, much more entertaining. But 
they learn from the script to the stuntmaster that those two are such good spar partners that they do just a great job of doing this bigger scene and making us enjoy it even more. But that's the idea of like, okay, let these characters have a little more at it. Add more to it. So we get more out of that, more more scenes out of those. That fight scene in the city was an impressive fight scene. To see those two go in hand-to-hand combat. And to see what those two even were, how they started to plan out the thing. And the Vulcan kind of already expected and kind of plotted what they were really doing. And yet they surprise him at the end. Because they do, they do it in the way he doesn't think it's going to happen. But I also thought interesting that Picard's going in a different direction. Who would have ever thought of a Vulcan kingpin? Somebody, a Vulcan in that kind of position. Yet he rationalized it with logic, that it was his logic that a Vulcan should be doing this. But it was such a, a great scene in there and how they were able to get this information. They were able to evolve the story. We're getting to more, learn more about Daystrom. And we know there's something, something very interesting and secretive. Because Daystrom is such a locked up facility. It's got an AI no. that monitors it, which uh, I guess they didn't learn from the past about letting an AI have a little too much power. Mm-hmm. And, or and Section that 31 doesn't want to admit to it. Big segue, because I was going to bring up the AI at Daystrom, and, and when Control took over Arium, her eyes turned red, just like Jax did when, a, when Control took her over in Discovery and, and Season 1, remember? Season 2, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, her eyes turned red just like that. When, when they took control of her, which made me immediately think that maybe Jack is being controlled by some type of, of artificial intelligence of some type. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't think... Interesting. Was, Interesting. I, I don't think which, which character was, was it that got taken over, man, in, in season two? Ar- Who was it? Arium. Arium. The, which one is The it? Borg-type character. It's a robot. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I haven't seen those in a while. So, yeah, her, interesting her theory. Yeah. And she would be under the control of, of uh, control, uh, which was the AI bad guy in, in season two. And Jack's eyes did the same exact thing. And I thought, wow, is there some artificial intelligence? Mm. About well, I mean, I. Let's let's I, I will also say, I mean, Ducat's eyes do exactly the same thing when he's possessed by the paw rays in DS nine too. So I'm not sure oh. if red eyes necessarily means control, but um yeah. you know, red but, eyes definitely means control. But, yeah, but Ducat <laughs> didn't didn't activate until Well you're really hung over. 
<laughs> oh, but the way, the way too much click on blood wine. Oh God. <laughs> we got, he just took out those security guards like they were nothing. Just wham, bam, yeah. thank you, ma'am, and four of them were dead. And they weren't even security guards; they were changelings on top of that. Yep. Which was like wow, but impressive. But yet, but yet we've seen Dodge do the same thing with former uh, four Bromulans. Mm-hmm. Except Dodge, the, the, yeah, I, I, I was, I was mentioning this on another page today. The difference there is Dodge. She, her, and Soji were actually constructed androids that were. What, a couple years old, whereas Beverly actually bumped, did the bumpy bump with Picard and gave birth to to Jack. He's not an animal. As far as the, as the far bumpy as bump to her, the bumpy bump. <laughs> as far as we know, to her. Right, well, what do you? But what Beverly you might be Beverly might be keeping some kind of secret as well. Yeah, I, su- I suppose she could. I, anything is possible. So I wanted to mention something about Beverly there for a second, because remember uh, this episode, you heard a voice in Jack's head that we all thought might have been the Borg. But if you turn on the subtitle, the person he's talking was actually Beverly, who was saying all that in in his head. Yeah, I... I, Well, and there was another... Was there another voice? There was another subtitle spoiler as well. Um, based on another one of the characters that we saw um, in Worf's list of crim- criminal elements where they looked up Crin, you, uh, you'll notice that uh, Brunt, FCA Brunt, was on there, uh, hmm. of course, played by Jeffrey yeah. Combs back in the day, and there was one subtitle that said FCA Brunt in front of it as well, so that was kind of curious. Mm. Interesting. But, very, very interesting. But but let me say let me say this in defense of Picard. One thing that's made this season so much more popular by a lot of fans is there are so many question marks out there. I have been looking at several different beliefs, what people are thinking about what's going on with Jack. But I love it the fact that we've got so many different ideas being thrown out there. And if you're uh, hopefully in the right groups, that people then don't attack you for your beliefs. It's interesting to discuss and hear the defense of those debates run. And it's interesting to hear what so many people are coming up with. Even right here in our own panel, we've got several ideas. And who knows who may be right or wrong. But it's great to hear that we're giving such a great conversation into what we think's going on. Well, I think you know what that means, man. I think that just means you got a super engaged audience, right? So if, when yeah. people want to contribute ideas and share theories and stuff like that, I think that you know, while there may be some stuff that folks don't like or you know differences of opinion on things, I mean overall. I think they've they've clearly struck a nerve, right? And the people are mm-hmm. engaged and they want to watch this. And I saw, um, I'll, I'm not going to be able to find it in terms of uh, the amount of time we still have left on the show, but I'll, I'll put it out for you guys to see later. But I saw this one thing in the kind of new metrics of how they gauge, you know, what's, who's watching 
a, a television show like you know it's the old nielsen thing is kind of you know kaput right but in the the streaming universe like the, you know how they judge successful viewership right this is unprecedented i mean it is like in the one one hundred hundred you know thin onion slice of most watched programming anywhere i mean they have they have if they don't green light another season or do something or whip up a deal with these other remaining actresses to want to, I will be stunned because uh, this thing is, is, is getting numbers like there's no tomorrow, like they've never seen. I mean, it is, I'll find it and share wow. it with you guys. Nuts. People are really engaged, dude. Just like you say. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the things that they made that a gauge on, is and I look I love how much posting we've been getting out of Paramount. Star Trek Paramount starts putting posts up there. And I bet you this season is probably the most conversation and shares that they've had on Facebook from this from this this series. <clears throat> People aren't ba- aren't negative to this series because they're so caught up with what's what's been going on that I think the conversations on those posts and being shared, and I'm sure they're keeping an eye on where they're getting shared to and maybe look at some of the conversations going on to where they're being shared to, I think it's been definitely showing the fans' interpretations. In fact, I bet you they're loving all these interpretations about what's going on with Jack. So before we run out of time, which we we're getting we're getting down to it, um, I want to go around and get our final thoughts and our our scores on this episode and see how we compare to the fans. And I just wanted to throw out one quick question for you guys before we do that. Just a simple. So uh, we 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 know. Uh, who's going to show up on tonight's episode because we've all seen the trailers. That leaves one, one legacy character that's only been shown in video conferences so far, and that's Deanna Troy. Do you guys think we are physically going mm. to see Deanna Troy show up on the series? I mean, we're going, episode six is tonight. So, you know, that leaves us three more. What do you think? Will we see Deanna uh, Troy? Uh, I, think, I think we'll just totally. see her when uh, when Riker goes home at the end of the like when when it's time for Riker to get off the starship and go make pizzas. I think that's when we see Troy. I don't think we're going to see her in yeah. uniform on a starship or anything. Well, she was also shown on uh, preview on uh, one of the um, trailers that she was physically in costume of some sort. So I would say yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Actually, 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 Jim, we've got one more character that we've they've discussed. We have not seen. We have not seen Denise Crosby, hmm. nor have we seen Lore or uh, uh, Moriarty. Yeah. Right. Well, we we I, I we we're probably going to see. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into that yet. But yeah, I'm just wondering about yeah. Troy. All right, so uh, with eight minutes left, guys, let's go around the room and get our final thoughts and our scores. We'll start off with Paul. What do you think? 
Well, you know, got to be honest, haven't seen the entire episode yet. I've only seen about half of it, but you know, um, um, lately I've been trusting my what I call my gut compass uh, more than anything else. <laughs> it's you know, I literally got off a plane because of it the other day. Um, and uh, based on what I've seen so far, I feel pretty confident giving this episode a nine. You know, just because it's just like it's getting me. It's uh, it's it just feels like this is legit Star Trek. This is what I've been missing, and uh, I'm intrigued by it. Um, initially, I was just like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was on here going, Jack Crusher, he's too old, he's miscast, right? No, 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 I don't know if I like him. And, uh, you know, repeat Wrath of Khan, blah blah blah. All these knee-jerk reactions, right? And now I really am digging the character and liking where he's going. I'm finding him more relatable and uh, sympathetic, and I'm just super intrigued. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just repeat doing or whatever, or getting deeper into the story perhaps. But I feel that nine is is uh, a super comfortable way to go, and I may even go higher after I've seen it. But, uh, you know, sorry, Michelle Forbes, veterans, uh, <laughs> that carries a lot of weight for me. Um the actress and the character. So I'm super excited uh, that they're doing things like that. Um, I know it can feel like fan service or nostalgia to bring back character like that, but I thought it was a delightful opportunity and, and uh, executed in a cool way. So God, please tell me I have at least five or six more episodes to go. And this isn't ending soon. I'm just like, uh, I'm super excited. Um, uh, uh, I, I found that thing I was telling you about um, uh, as far as just the analytics of the show. Um, Picard this season, it's 42.6 times the demand of the average TV series in the U.S. Wow. Wow. 42.6. Only 0.2%, 0.2% of shows in this country have that kind of demand. I mean, that is just, it is earthquaking. So it's just like, it's it's capturing attention. They will, they will, people will want more of this for sure. Yeah. So I don't know what it means. If they'll say, oh, at the, at the very end, after the last episode, go, oh, so we changed our mind. There will be a season four. Maybe, or if they just say, hey, yeah. let's go off in a whole new direction with the surviving characters and make a new series, right? Uh, Captain but, Shaw but, 7. <laughs> yeah, something's going on. I mean, they've. I think they've touched a nerve, and it's beyond nostalgia, and I think they've you know, it's like when you're cooking, right? Anyone here like to cook? I love to cook, right? And it's when you finally stumble across a great recipe and you're like, this works. This is what we should be making, right? It's like, we should be, we should be doing this. And uh, I, I think the audience is responding. So I'm super delighted, guys. Um, and it's great to be back. And uh, it's great to have Star Trek. Yeah, well, well said. How about you, Charles? What do you think? What are you going to give this episode? I think I'm just excited about this this past episode as as I was the week before. So I think I'm going to duplicate the same thing from last week. Another 9.5. 9.5 respectable. They're hitting this one out of the park again. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I'll go with a nine for this episode. I there were some really good scenes. Uh, in particular, I really liked the scene with Jack and Crusher um, towards the end there, where he's like, you know, Mom, I think something's wrong with me, and and it's just like a really heartfelt moment that I thought was fantastic. So yeah, I so many reasons to like uh, the show right now. So I'll give this one a nine. All right. What what about you, David? Well, I'm definitely going with a 10. This is definitely getting better and better. I wish there was a higher number, but um, I did have one question, though. <laughs> I did have one question. Um, 
Paul mentioned that it was a 42.6 times of the demand. Is that from the current position where we are now with just the five episodes in, or is that going to get higher as it goes to the end? I think it could go in even higher because they're basically talking about the season as a whole. They're saying mm-hmm. season three of Star Trek Picard, right? So I think that's an aggregate for the, the cumulative level of you know, putting them all together. I mean, there's a, there's a link where you can go into Parrot Analytics and you can kind of see how it all breaks down and stuff. But, uh, but, uh, and that's going to involve math that I don't like. But, it's just, you, know, but, but you, you can go in there deeper and check it out. But, uh, but there, I think it's assessing the whole season. It's just like, you know, it's just... It's it's like you know we were talking a couple of weeks ago about like you know oh how do they rate a success and you know paybacks and you know syndication and why why is it profitable to cancel or just go so many seasons but it's just like the, those kind of normal industry rules I think just collapse when you have numbers like this I mean this is just nice. crazy it's crazy cool. and it's you know at the end of the day you know there's only one thing that matters right. It's good news for Star Trek, right? Because it's yeah. like when the great success we've seen for Strange New Worlds, and now this, it's like you know the you know uh, it's good news. Yeah, and that also means that also means more Star Trek for the future now. Oh yeah, for sure, in. dude, absolutely. And 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 I think they're gonna you know because everyone's like copying what's successful, right? And they're realizing this kind of storytelling, this kind of cast the legacy fondness people have to see these characters that they're not done spending time with. I think we're going to see more of that. So kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, so yeah. And for me, <laughs> I, uh, Sweet, I David. Say, for me, I got, I'm going to go with a 10 just because I love the Worf Rafi thing. Gotta, gotta love me some Worf and Rafi. So they're great. Uh, Klingon. They're never great. disappoint. <laughs> I just, I love Michael Bourne and what he's doing with the new, the older, wiser Worf. Yeah, so, um, I just wanted to add one more thing. I really like the way that Worf, when he first saw Picard on that screen, he not only called him Admiral, but he said Captain to him. It was just like, oh yeah, that that felt that felt like an astrologer thing right there. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to them meeting face to face for the first time, which <laughs> hopefully, I, I, I hope will be tonight's episode. At any rate, nice. so Charles, what's our overall uh, host score versus our fan score? Oh, our host score. I haven't really done it this season. Well, we have, we've done it once this season. And we do 100 fans this year, this time. Fan scored a 9.3. We're scoring at a 9.5. Wow. wow. Okay. There you have it. Well, guys, uh, next week we're going to be talking about tonight's episode of uh, Picard. So you want to tune in for that. I want to turn around and say thank you to Paul for hanging out with us and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Paul. Oh, it was my, my great pleasure, man. It's uh, I had to miss last week's, and it, <laughs> i got to be honest, it's it's a bummer. I hated missing it. And I haven't even had a chance to go back and listen to the show from last week that I missed. So I'm looking forward to doing that over the weekend and uh, watching what sounds like it's going to be quite the episode tonight of uh, um, <laughs> I just have a lot of catching up to do. 
But yeah, good well, good stuff, okay. man. It's great to be back, fellas. You've got jet lag, so that we can understand that <laughs> a little bit. But but doing okay, man. I'm I'm uh, you know it, it, travel does you good, man. It, it really does. It's great to get out there in the world and see other people's way of viewing things. It's it's quite it, quite delightful. Absolutely. And thank you so much to David for listening for and joining us. And uh, even though you didn't bring the donuts, that's okay. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, David. Ah, uh, that's cool. I plan to bring donuts next week anyway, so woohoo. I want some of those peanut butter and jelly ones, for sure. Yeah, those are good. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much to our very own Eric, who's also out in Portland for truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. You bet, guys. Take care. And thank you so much to Charles out in Vegas for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. It's always great to be getting to Thursdays and talking truck. It is. It's 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 a Friday's Eve, which is pretty pretty cool. And of course, you guys don't forget that Star Trek fans are the best fans. You heard it here, and you better believe it's true. Okay, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. Peace out, Vulcan gangsters. Let's see what's out there. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.